Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Are you ready for the Word of God? A few Sundays ago, I was talking about pursuing God's holiness. And when I talk about this subject, don't take me wrong that I try to condemn anybody. But I want to give you the purpose of life, the goal of life that you want to reach. This message is not only for you, but for me as well, that we all need to reach that goal. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, But as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. This is a command of God. He tells all of us to be holy because he is holy. If you missed the sermon from that Sunday, could you please get it from the podcast or from the CD? I'm going to review a little bit and then go on. The word holy means to live our life above and beyond the level of the world. God wants us to live our life at the level of God. The Bible says His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We all were born with a sinful nature, the nature of Adam and Eve. And God wants us to live at the higher level, not the level of the sinful nature. And God make a promise in the Bible. I mentioned last time, and I'm not going to go into the detail. He said that if we live a holy life, and if we make that decision and pursuing that holy life, He promises the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. And when the tangible presence of God is with us, there will be protection, there will be guidance, there will be healing, favor of God, the grace of God, the victory of God, the wisdom of God. And you can see that there are many benefits of living a holy life. In fact, when you live a holy life, you open the door for the good angels to be around you. You open the door for the presence of God to be around you. But if you live an evil life or sinful life, You open the door for demons to come in. And demons come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. How many people want to live an abundant life? Raise your hand up. How many people want to be killed to steal and to destroy? I don't want to. Therefore, we need to watch our life carefully. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises. What are these promises? the promises of having the presence of God when we live a holy life in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The promises of having a favor of God, having the wisdom of God, the direction from God. Having these promises, behold, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Last time, we were talking about the fear of God a little bit. In order to perfect our holiness, we cannot just live a life of love 
that we say, God is a wonderful Savior. Oh God, you love me so much, I love you back. In fact, if you ask many Christians, they say, I love God. But if you ask them whether they fear God or not, they may start to wonder, do I fear God? But in order to live a holy life, we need to have the fear of God. We need to have the balance between loving God and fearing God. If we can have both in balance, we will walk right on the right direction and we will reach the life of holiness and abundance. But if we have only the fear of God without the love of God, we will end up into the ditch of legalism. If we have only the love of God without the fear of God, we will live a loose life. We will not care what God thinks about us, but we will just live whatever we can do and don't care what people think about how we live. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness. God said, pursue peace and holiness. Without which? Without what? Without holiness. No one will see the Lord. It's so clear. If you want to have the Lord presence into your life, or you want to make sure that when you die and leave this world, you will be in heaven. You will see the Lord. You need to live a holy life. If you want to make sure that you see the Lord after you leave this world. But you need to understand that to live a holy life, when you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Apostle Paul say, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Sometimes Christians think that to live a holy life is only the responsibility of God alone. God, you do your part, I just do nothing. No. To live a holy life is a cooperative work between God and us. God supplies power. And we supply willingness and obedience and cooperation. God does his part. He gives us power. But we have to do our part. We need to cooperate and be willing and be obedient. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 say, We then, as workers together, everyone say together, as workers together with him, we need to work with him. You cannot just leave the responsibility to God alone. Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The Apostle Paul talking about living a holy life. He said that we need to cooperate with God. We need to work with God. And God gave us something to be able to live a holy life. That is the grace of God. Unfortunately, many Christians on this planet treat the grace of God in vain. What does it mean having the grace of God in vain? It means you don't use something to its full potential. I remember when I came to the U.S. and I joined University of Washington. When I walked into the office, I saw many Apple computers. And I never saw Apple computer in my life when I first left Thailand. Because at that time, I was still using typewriter. So when I turned on the computer, I look at it. What's going on here? I don't understand the icons. I don't understand how to use the mouse. And I try to play with it. 
and eventually I gave up because I was using the computer in vain. I did not use it to the full potential. So I have to call my friend in and teach me how to use the computer. He teach me how to turn it on, how to use all the icons, how to save the material that I type in, how to use email. Then that big that box of computer become so powerful to me because I know how to use it in the right way. The same thing. Many Christians have a big misunderstanding of the definition of the grace of God. We're going to talk about holiness, the fear of God, and the grace of God. A lot of people have been taught that the grace of God is a big cover-up. What does it mean? If you sin, you just have a blanket to cover you and say, God didn't see my sin, no one see my sin because God loved me and forgive me. That is a wrong definition of the grace of God. So they keep sinning, go out and sin and come back to church or come back to their whatever religious ceremony and then tell their priest that I'm sinning. God forgive me. The grace of God cover me again. So they treat the grace of God as a big cover up. Like putting a, a white out on the paper and erase the black thing on the paper. The grace of God is not a cover-up. I'm going to explain to you. What does it mean, the grace of God? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. The Bible talks about grace. By which we may serve God acceptably. It means that if we receive the grace, we can serve God to the point that God can accept us as the holy, righteous person with reverence, with fear, and godly fear. You can see the correlation between grace, living a holy life, you serve God to the point that God accepts you very well, and also the fear of God. Actually, if you read the Bible carefully, you can see that God expects you to have the fruit of holiness or the fruit of repentance. It's not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus, I am a Christian, and go out and live a sinful life and come back to church and say, the grace of God cover my sin again, and I go out and sin again. Look at what the Bible says. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 20 to 21. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. The Bible did not say, because they hang a cross on the neck, then they are Christian. The Bible did not say, because they spoke in tongue, they are Christian. The Bible did not say that, because they carry a big, nice Bible, they are Christian. Because they are a member of a spirit-filled church, or a member of a choir, they are Christian. How do you know that they are a born-again Christian? By looking at their fruit their lifestyle, their deeds, their actions, the way they talk, the way they respond to the situation. And then the Lord continued to say in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, I know that a lot of people don't like this message. And when I talk this message, a lot of convictions. And not many people will like this pastor or this preacher. 
but I speaking the truth. Not everyone who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, not everyone who say, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, answer my prayer. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So Jesus did not just look at what you say in your mouth. Say, Lord, I'm a Christian. Or come out to the outer call, at the outer call, and then prayer, the sinner prayer, God, I repent of my sin, keep coming to my life, and then walk out and do everything you used to do in the past. Then God say, I don't know you. He look at the fruit of your life. He look at the changes of your life. Amen? I thank God that when I first became a Christian, I was taught correctly by the American missionary. They did not play game in Thailand. When American missionary went to Thailand, they told me, repent and change your lifestyle. So I was taught at the beginning of my Christian walk that I need to repent and I need to walk the, life, the godly lifestyle from the beginning. Pastor Dan, I did not hear the diluted message. Amen? When you heard this message, you feel like, Pastor Lao, are you talking about work Christianity. No, a lot of time you think that Christianity is about grace, about faith. Why do you talk about work? It sounds like work. And you talk back to me. Pastor, I'm not under the law anymore. I am under the grace of God. You may argue with me in your heart. Pastor, you talk about work. If I don't do the right work, I cannot go to heaven. You're not talking about faith and grace. But let me explain to you a little bit more. Or before I go on, let me explain to you the definition of the grace of God. So you understand. The grace of God is not a big cover-up. That you can do whatever you want, and you come back to God, and God just put a cover on you, and no one can see your sin. It's not something that you just do whatever you want. A lot of Christians think that way. The grace means God love me, God forgive me, I can do whatever I want. God will love me no matter what. And God will forgive me always and never, never get upset with me. The word the grace of God means the power of the Holy Spirit that can help you to be what the truth of God says. And the power of the Holy Spirit to make you do what he calls you to do. Let me repeat one more time. The grace of God means the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to be, everyone say to be, what the truth of God demands you and to do what God calls you to do. When I went to Thailand and was standing in front of thousands of people to preach the gospel, and saw demons come out from people. People have miracles happen in the meeting. I know that it's not Dr. Lau. It's not Pastor Lau. But it's the grace of God in my life to be able to do that job. The same thing on Sunday, I come up and preach. I can preach by the grace of God. Because I'm not a speaker by nature. I'm a child man. I don't like to be in front of public and hold a microphone. It's the grace of God. I can be a good husband that Pastor Doug continue to live with me because of the grace of God. Not because I'm a great man, 
but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's why we need to depend on that power or the grace of God everywhere, everything we do, and every ministry we are called to do. Amen. The grace of God is not a big cover-up, but it's the power. Let's look at what Jesus say about the law and the grace. You say, I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law either. But with different meaning. A lot of people, when, when they say they are not under the law, it means that, oh, I don't need to follow the law of God anymore. I can do whatever I like. I live a loose life. I can commit adultery. I can watch pornography. I can smoke. I can drink. I can do whatever I want because I'm not under the law. I don't need to follow the law. That's what a lot of people say. And I heard that kind of teaching in the body of Christ. You're not under the law anymore. You don't need to even ask God for forgiveness anymore. I'm serious. I heard that teaching in the website. I read it. I read the book about that. Just emphasize the grace of God. It means you don't need to change your life. You can do whatever you want. But look at what Jesus said. Can I explain to you here? Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law. There are two kinds of laws of Moses. The ceremonial law. We are not under ceremonial law. We don't dress like the priests of the Jews. We don't kill animals in the tabernacle anymore. That is ceremonial law. But we are talking about the ethical law. God still wants us to follow the ethical law. Jesus come to fulfill the ethical law. Look at John chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, For the law was given through Moses, the law of the Old Testament. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yes, we under under the grace. It doesn't mean we are under a big cover-up. We are under the truth and grace, the power to be able to live according to the truth. Amen? Okay. Let's look at what Jesus said after he talked about the law and talked about the grace. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22. You have heard that it was said of those of old. What does it mean? Jesus said that you have heard about what Moses said in the law, in the old day, the law. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Jesus starts from saying, this is what Moses say. I came to fulfill the law, not to erase the law. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell In the Old Testament, the law say, you go to hell if you pull a knife and stab on somebody and that person die. You kill, you murder somebody. That person die, you commit murder. The sixth of the Ten Commandments. Then you go to hell. But Jesus said that under the grace and under the truth in this generation, he said, if you just hate somebody. If you just have prejudice against somebody, 
because of different skin color or social status, or maybe because I speak with accent and you have prejudice against me, or you don't like somebody, somebody hurt your feeling and you don't forgive, you still hold grudges against that person. You already murder that person. First John chapter three verse fifteen say, "Whoever hates his brother is a murderer." And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wow! When I read this scripture, I really repent. I don't want to hate anybody because I don't want to go to hell. The Bible say in Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-seven to twenty-eight. I cannot take you to see the difference between the law and the grace. You have heard that it was said of old. I mean, what Moses say? You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In the Old Testament, under the law, you need to jump in the bed to sleep with somebody who is not your wife. Then you go to hell. But in the New Testament, you just look and think lustfully. You already sin against God. Let me ask this question: Between under the law and under the grace, which one has a higher standard? Mm. You see, people who quote that I am not under the law don't understand. Actually, if you are under the grace, is higher standard. You cannot even think; then you commit adultery already. That's why. The word grace is the power of the Holy Spirit that can come to help you to live such a high standard that you don't even think about sin. Not only do it, but even think about it. And that power comes by the Holy Spirit. Many people don't like me. Because I'm crazy about the Holy Spirit, I like to lay hand. I like to impart the file of God. But you know, I rather have the church that live a life according to the truth of God than to have a church that have a lot of sins everywhere. That people lie, people cheat, people commit adultery. And I know that you and I cannot follow that truth. What Jesus say, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to welcome the fire of God. The Bible said, "The fire of God come to cleanse us, to change us from the inside, that we cannot even think about sinning anymore. You cannot just be a good Christian by listening to nice preaching." Going to Bible study and go to conferences and study a lot of Bible alone. The Bible, the Word of God, just gives you direction and guidance what you can do and what you should not do. It's only the truth. You cannot just depend on the truth alone. Thank God for the truth, but it's not enough. Jesus said, "I come to give you the truth and grace." On that day, the veil in the temple. Between the holy of holies and the holy place was torn into two, from the 
top to the bottom, and the Holy Spirit came out for the church. This morning, I read the message from the Skype. Somebody Skype me from our fellowship church in Thailand. Pastor, this morning it's so wonderful. After we worship, the Holy Spirit fell, and everyone ran out to the front and repent and cry and ask God to forgive them. Wow! I say, I wish I was there. That the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, and people have power to be able to live a holy life. We need the Holy Spirit. So you should thank God that the pastor of this church are crazy about the Holy Spirit. Because there's no way you can become a holy people without the Holy Spirit. I believe that this message is one of the key message for our church. You know, sometimes you have different messages. You have messages to encourage people. You have the message to help people to do something. But some message is really the key, like a master key of the house. And I notice that every time I'm going to preach the key message to the church, hell broke loose. Something happened in our church, and this happened in the past 20 years. Every time we're going to preach something that will really impact people's life for eternity, hell broke loose in my church. Something happened because the devil was mad at me that I'm going to preach this message. Why I was talking about holiness? Why people need to understand the heart of God? That God doesn't want you to just say, "I'm saved. I'm I am a Christian." Look at what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. He told the message through Apostle John, the Apostle of Love, to seven churches. And if the Lord asked him to make a record in the Bible, it means that it has prophetic implication to all of us. Look at Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read it quickly because I can emphasize only one sentence in the whole thing here, seven churches. Revelation 2, 1 to 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? This thing says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works. Revelation 2, 8 to 9. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, wrote, This thing says, The first and the last, who was dead and came to life, I know your works. Revelation 2, 12 to 13, and to the angel, to the angel means to the pastor of the church in Pergamos, right? These things say, he who has a sharp to each sword, I know your works. The first sentence that Jesus was speaking to the seven churches and to the New Hope International Church is, I know your works. He did not say, I know your heart. Or I know what you write in your email. I know how you live, your lifestyle. Revelation 2, 18 to 19, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, This thing say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fire brass. I know your works. Revelation 3, 1 to 2, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these things say, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. Revelation 3, 7 to 8, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things say, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, 
He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts no one opens. I know your works. Revelation 3, 14 to 15. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, This thing say to the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. It's not enough by speaking from your mouth, I am a Christian. It's not enough to say, my heart, I love God. God is looking at your works. James say in James chapter 2, verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. A lot of you may say, Pastor Lau, this is a heresy. You're preaching wrong teaching that I'm not saved by only faith. This is the problem. A lot of times you heard half message of the truth. You heard the half message to the point that you think that that half message is the truth. So when you hear the whole message of the truth, you think it's a heresy or wrong teaching. No, this is a complete gospel. The complete gospel says like this, we are sinners. We are saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say safe, include forgiveness of sin, not going to hell, deliverance from demons, heal from sickness, deliver from curses and bondages and change in your life by grace, through faith. The grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, save us. But we need to have faith. We cannot boast in front of God at all, in front of the throne of God that you know, by my good deeds, I am saved. I do this, I do that, I give money to the poor, I love the poor. You know, I noticed something. Some people say, I love the poor, I give money to the poor, but they hate leaders in the church. That is not true Christianity. If you love, you love everybody, not love only the poor, you love everybody. Amen? So, you say, you say by grace, through faith. But James come along and say, if you really have faith, your action must show it. You cannot just say with your mouth, I have faith, and I say by grace, but your action must show it. I'm going to read a few more passages, and then I try to finish. I want you to see the problem in the end time. And when I read this passage, I see it now in this generation. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. And I hope this passage will not happen in New Hope International Church. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Who? Paul called our days, last day, terrible times. You need to understand, first of all, in Paul's time, he faced shipwreck. He was beaten by rods three times, three occasions. And when you are beaten by rods, the bone gets bruised and it hurts for many months. He got beaten by whip. He was whipped five occasions. Each occasion, 39 times. And at that time, when they whipped somebody, they will put that person on the stake and stretch the back. And when the court hit skin on the back, because it was so stretched, the skin will be cut open. 39 times, 
five occasions. He was rejected by his own countrymen. He was persecuted, but he called our time terrible times. I have not been put to jail yet. I have never been whipped yet. I have never been bitten by rods yet. Why he called our time terrible times? Look at this, and I see it with my own eyes now. It's happening now. People will be lovers of themselves. I don't want this to happen in our church. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. You do something to them, they don't even care. They just walk out of you. They're so ungrateful, so prideful, lover of themselves. This morning when I was standing there, I was praying, God, can you come visit this church today and make these people Love you, love Jesus, love the Word, love the Holy Spirit, and love your church. And people will die for the church like you die for the church. But today, people love themselves. They don't care even how the church is going to be. They just walk out of the church and they don't care. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, email, slander people. Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pressure, rather than lovers of God. If you have a party and drink alcohol, a lot of people show up. But if you have a special revival night, people don't show up. I'm serious. Lover of pressure. If you say, let's go to Hawaii. Ooh, I pay for you. You go. But if you say, I pay for you to go to revival night, oh, I need to do something, I'm busy. Having a form, this is a problem. Why people are like this? Why people are loving of themselves, loving of money, disobedient, ungrateful? Why? This is the answer from Paul. It's so hard in America to do this because we get used to traditions and religion in the church. I'm really struggling. With the church in America, because we get used to singing three song, singing slow three song, preaching and the leave, and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move. This is what the Bible say: having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Without the grace, without the power of the Holy Spirit. We just have the form of religion in the church. We will just have the form of Christianity in the church, form of godliness, because we reject the fire of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the fire or the Holy Spirit, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to live a holy life. We're going to end up like this. The Holy Spirit. Help us take us out from being a lover of ourselves into the lover of God, lover of money into the lover of people in the church. Being prideful to be humble, abusive to be gentle and polite, unforgiving to be forgiving, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul say like this in Second Timothy three seven, always learning. 
some Christian like to study a lot. Study, study Hebrew, Greek. Go to classes. Go to seminar. Learn, 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 learn. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. So they just have a lot of head knowledge, but they don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot have a personal relationship with Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, "Pursue holiness with the fear of God, by depending on the grace of God, and we." Need to cooperate with God. Why I'm preaching this sermon? Let me make a conclusion. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Revelation 19, verse 7. Before I read this scripture, let me tell you a story. This is not a true story, but just make it up. If you were living in a big mountain, on the top of a mountain, you have a beautiful home, nice view. And one day, you heard a broadcast from a radio. The scientists found out that that mountain was volcanic, and it's going to rupture in 24 hours. If you did not run away from that mountain for 200 miles, you definitely will be toasted. You will die. When you heard that news, you were in horror, in trouble. Because you know you cannot get out of there 200 miles. While you were thinking about that, suddenly the doorbell rang and you opened the door. Somebody standing there smiled and hand a set of keys to you. And you say, what's going on here? What are you doing? He said, I just want to give you a brand new sport utility four-wheel drive car for you to run away. And this is the key. And you say, why? Do I have to pay No, 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 no payment. This is the grace. This is free of charge. You don't need to pay, so you cannot boast about it. But you can run away. Get the key. This is the grace. That sport utility car is the grace. The power to get you out of that mountain. You grab the key and say, thank you. And then you spend another six hours or 12 hours calling your friend, oh, Mary, I'm so glad I get the sport utility four-wheel drive car. And then you call your uncle. Oh, I'm so glad I get the car. And you keep calling people for 12 hours. And eventually, you were toasted in that volcano. (laughs) Why? Because you treated that car or that sport utility car in vain. You did not use the power that you have to run away from volcano eruption. And that is happening to a lot of Christians all over the world because they lack teaching. They don't understand the power of the fire of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to come and cleanse the church. When we start to move in the power, people walk to the door and sneak out. When we start to lay hands, people just go and sit on the chair and watch. And they forget that this is the grace of God. God is giving the grace to the church so that we can live a holy life. You know, when we lay hands and people fall down, people laugh. It's not about falling and laughing. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit to cleanse you, to purge you from sin, and to make you live a holy life. 
It's not just rolling on the floor. It's holiness. We're talking about holiness. Revelation 19:7. I'm going to end this sermon by reading two more scripture. Revelation 19:7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. This scripture talk about wedding ceremony between the church, His wife, and the Lamb, means Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back to be married to the church, the wife. And the Bible says that the wife or the bride got ready. Are you ready? How many churches in the world are ready to meet Jesus Christ? How do you get ready for wedding in that generation, in the time of Jesus? I mean, even in this time too. I remember when my daughter was going to get married. Six months before wedding, she already got her clothes, her wedding gown, done, ready. How do you get ready? If you read the book of Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, you don't need to read now. Go home and read. Matthew 22, 1 to 14, the king or God invited people to join the wedding ceremony. And in that story, one man walked into the wedding ceremony without the right kind of clothing for wedding. The Bible says that the king commanded the servant to tie that man's hands and throw him in the dark place. So what Jesus tried to say is that to be ready for the wedding means to have the right clothing for the wedding ceremony. I hope that you don't come to the wedding ceremony two weeks from now with short pants and t-shirt and slipper on your feet. We're going to have wedding in a couple of weeks. You will come with decent clothes or something that you look honor to the bride and groom. The bride herself, get ready, have the right clothing. Let's look at what kind of clothing we have as the bride of Christ. Verse 8. And to her, mean to the bride, us, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That day, when we meet Jesus, we are not wearing physical clothes like this for the wedding. The wedding clothes on that day is the righteous act of the saint. Are you ready? If Jesus comes back next hour, are you ready to meet him? Or you're not ready yet? People talk about rapture. Shh. Are you ready for rapture? If Jesus come back, going up to meet him in the air. Some people may stay here in this church because you still play with sin. You don't want to repent. Jesus said, I look at your acts. I look at your works. Don't call me Lord, Lord, but you don't change. You still live a fleshly life, unforgiving, hating people, cheating God. You have to be careful. I cannot judge who go to heaven and not go to heaven. It's not my job. But I'm teaching the truth. I'm teaching you the truth to prepare you so that you will not 
be lukewarm anymore. Is it interesting? I can end this by talking about lukewarm and hot and cold. You notice that there are two kinds of people in the church: hot and lukewarm. People who are cold are outside the church, and because they know that they are not saved, they are cold. It's easy to save them. You tell them about Jesus, they say, "Yeah, I'm a sinner. Okay, I'm saved," and they become on fire, hot. But the most scary thing about the church is people who are lukewarm in the church. Because they don't even know that they are not saved. They sit in the church. They call Jesus Lord, Lord, but they are lukewarm. And Jesus said, "I spit them out of my mouth." They were in, and He spit out. They may not go to heaven. I'm not saying that you are that one, but have to be careful. Check yourself: Are you lukewarm? Are you just living your life according to your way? And you don't care what God thinks, or you are hot. I mean, when I say hot, it doesn't mean that you run around the church five times. I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm not saying that. <laughs> And have the fan around you. I'm hot. I'm hot. No, I'm saying that you just fall in love with Jesus. You just banana for God. You obey. You repent. You live a holy life. You love the Holy Spirit. You love the Word. You want to change. You repent every day. You on fire for God. Don't be like King David. Who is lukewarm at one point of his life, and he walked on the roof, and he saw a woman taking bath, and then he committed adultery. In order to avoid to be lukewarm, you need to be in the Word, in the Holy Spirit, and busy with the ministry. David was not busy at that time. That's why he got lukewarm. Amen. Busy. Go to care group, serving God. Get involved in the children program. Get involved in the Worship team, serve God some way somehow. Get busy. If you start to get cool down, have a lot of time walking on the roof of the building, you're gonna end up being lukewarm and fall into some sin. Being busy with God, Amen. Hallelujah. In conclusion, let me make a conclusion and close in prayer. God wants us to live a holy life. We need to make a decision to treat him as Lord and Savior, love him and fear him. We need to cooperate with him by saying, "God, I make the decision from today on. I want to live a holy life. I will repent of my sin, and Lord, I'm going to depend on Your grace, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that when You look from heaven, You can say, 'I know Your good works. You prove Your faith.'" By your works, and on that day when he comes back, he will look at you and say, "Come up here. You are ready. You have the righteous act. Marry with me. We're gonna have a big celebration." And on that day, you will thank Pastor Lau to preach this message to you, because you will not miss that wedding ceremony with the Lord Jesus Christ. Without this message, you may miss it. I am speaking to the body of Christ to warn the body of Christ to get right with God and don't play game with God anymore. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying this? Yes. Are you convicted? Yes. You're not running away from this church because I preach strong. You feel heat on your seat. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word reminding us of living a holy life. Father, we promise you, Lord, that we want to be holy in actions, in words, in attitudes. Lord, we are under the grace, and we know, Lord, the standards of being under the grace is higher than under the law. But thank you, Father, for the grace, the fire of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and cleanses us, purifies us, purges us from all sins and bondage, change us from the inside, give us a new heart, a new spirit. A new way, Lord. Please imprint this word into our heart, that we will not forget to live a life that is pleasing to You. Father, please prepare this church and many churches that love You wholeheartedly to become the bride of Christ in the end time. I believe, Father, You will. The Lord Jesus will be coming back soon for His church, and we want to get ready, 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 Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, if you know that you still struggle with some sins in your life, you haven't given up up to God. You still want to please that part of your flesh. And you say, God, today I ask you to help me to overcome that sin. Could you please stand up? And we're going to ask God together to help us. If you know you have certain sins in your life, you say, God, please help me. I want to live a holy life. I want the presence of God. I fear you, Lord. I stand in awe before you. Please forgive me. Talk to the Lord. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for the grace, the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. By Your blood, change me, O oh Lord. Change me. Thank You for the grace. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the power of resurrection. Every day, Father, burn me with Your fire. Purify me, Lord, from the inside. Give me a new heart. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that every member of this church will set the goal to live a holy life, to be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, that your people will have a revelation 
an understanding in that spirit to see the importance of the Holy Spirit, the grace, the power of God to help them to walk in holiness, that they will see God one day, Father, that no one will run away from the presence of the Holy Spirit, from the fire of God, Father. We pray, Lord, that this church one day will go up to meet you in heaven, in the sky, Lord. When you come back, and we will become a beautiful bride, wearing the white linen, pure and glory, Lord. Help us that every church that we planted will be like that. We'll fear God and love God. And become holy bride. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the saints say, "Amen." Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Turn to each other and say, "The grace of God is upon you." God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I live to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done Have been washed away By your only son Bring me your tired You said Bring me your weak Bring me your hungry masses We seek your glory Tired, you said, bring me your.
We seek your glory.